This is the Radical Awareness Podcast and this is episode three of a three-part on awareness through suicide. If you have not listened to episode one or episode two, you're picking up in the middle of a story which might be a little bit out of whack. So highly suggest you go back and check out the episode one and episode two before you get to these ones so that you've got the right amount of background information to make sense of it all. The The Radical Radical Awareness Podcast with Nicole and John Allen. Welcome back to the Radical Awareness Podcast and before I get sidetracked in all of the introductions, this is part three of our story with Jess, our awareness through suicide story and I'm going to just take a very brief moment, Jess is going to bring us up to speed as if you are watching a, uh, a show and we're going to say... Previously on. Previously. <laughs> On awareness with suicide. <laughs> now, where were we up to, Jess? Um, we were uh, left at the bit of a cliffhanger where, <laughs> <laughs> um, where I was on the uh, sharing circle phone call with you guys. Um, situated in New- in Switzerland, you were in New Zealand, and um, while I was on the phone call sharing that on my travels to Switzerland, uh, my mum had her. Uh, a first suicide attempt, um, possibly a potential second suicide attempt is happening in this very moment when I realized that she wasn't actually at home. And I was panicking on the phone, uh, still with you, Nicole, not knowing what to do. And um, we hung up, but I had two kids with me. My two boys were still sleeping. It was very early in the morning, Mm -hmm. it was very cold outside, and I wasn't sure if I even had a car and what to do. Yeah. (laughs) What a cliffhanger. Yeah, that's an intense moment. (laughs) So what did you do? (laughs) Yeah, so I hung up and I knew, okay, I have to call my mum, try her cell phone. Wasn't sure um, when I was ringing her, what do I actually want? What if she picks up? What if she doesn't pick up? Um, But she did pick up and she had a very, very weak voice saying that um, she's very, very sorry, but I'll need to come and pick her up, that she has been trying to die again. Um, She has been uh, slitting her wrists with a knife and she walked to the place where my brother died. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe a half hour walk. And it was cold. And so she stayed out in that cold night all night. And it just didn't work. She said she just couldn't, she couldn't leave. She was nearly there, but she couldn't leave. And she can't anymore. And then I have to come and pick her up, please. And um, so I hung up and the kids woke up in the meantime. And so I sat them in front of TV and I knew because she walked out, I had 
her car and it's closed. So um told them I, I'll be back very soon. I just have to get Dita, that's how they call her. And <clears throat> yeah, was there in five minutes and she was walking on the side or coming out of the forest. There's a little forest there and she looked very, um, very, very weak, very uh, blown up almost mm. and swollen and there was a lot of blood. And um, yeah, I, I could get her into the car and drove back to our home and helped her to get into her bed as she vomited on the way and I made sure that the kids don't see it, don't, don't mm -hmm. see her um, and just put her to bed and then uh, called, <clears throat> called a close friend. Um, luckily, I'm, I'm very blessed with, with awesome supportive friends and she was uh, saying that she will take the kids for for two nights mm. and uh, her mother came and picked the kids up. They didn't really know what was happening, but mm. they knew there was an urgency. <clears throat> and they it was such a relief that the kids were just um, well looked after mm. by, then, by them. And I um, could then focus back uh, to um, yeah, focus on my mum. She was then unconscious or sleeping in the bed. I wasn't quite sure. There was still a lot of blood. Um, I just wrapped a towel around her, her wrist and she mumbled how much she loves me and how she just wants to go and wants to go and wants to go. I wasn't sure what to do in that moment. So I left her to it. I thought like maybe she needs a little bit of more time maybe she can go I didn't know what she took either um, mm. and so I went uh, to a place by a river uh, built like a little shrine and um, started listening to music and meditating and was calling out to the spiritual world and Roni for help and to help me yeah be okay with whatever happens and to help her help her to pass or or what what is necessary but it was so cold I, I i i had to kind of go back and i didn't know oh yeah what do i go back into and and i felt like i need i need help i didn't know who to turn to i felt unsafe to call um, like 111 or mm. an official person. Um, but the same friend who was looking after my kids, coincidentally or not, <laughs> um, was talking about a um, Mexican shaman that she knows and that might be uh, of interest for me. And I haven't met her at all beforehand, but she lived um, in the same city so um, I called her and she is, she doesn't call herself a shaman, but she's training, she's trained in shamanism. Mm. And because she's Mexican, there's that Spanish connection as well. And she said, oh, she will come and meet me at my, at my place. So um, 
as soon as I hung up, my mum actually called me back and said that she's still alive <laughs> and um, where I was. And so I felt, okay, I'm going back home. And uh, this Mexican lady came and um, I introduced her and because she, they could talk in Spanish, my mum it's a bit of my mum's heart language. Um, mm. She felt comfortable with that. And she helped me clean my mum up, clean the bed, um, and uh, doing some acupuncture for my mum and clearing clearing the space and explaining a little bit how much um, yeah, dark energy was around. And it was interesting. She... Uh, my mum didn't like many things that she said or had quite an opposite reaction to it. Things like um, that Oni is, is not happy about that at all or is not in a, in a good, good um, uh, can't, yeah, can't um, be in his lighter state. Because um, because of everything that's happening with my mum, but my mum herself, uh, um, she didn't want to hear that Roni doesn't want my mum to to join Roni mm. in that sense. Um, but it was very obvious to her as well that her death can't be directly connected to to him, or let's say put on his conscience. Um, she was still wearing all of Roni's clothes, so she prepared to go at his death place while she was wearing Roni's clothes that he was wearing at his death, mm. shoes and pants. And um, before, she, she wasn't ready to let go of that. And then after the, the, the session with the Mexican lady, um, my mom said, oh, that didn't really work. I still feel the same. Mm -hmm. But in the same sentence, she said, I'm ready now to let go of those clothes. Let's, we have to throw them away. Which is a huge step. Yes. You're saying, you know, I think yeah. that it's such a powerful story. But when we're looking at healing, it's like we expect in one moment everything to be fine. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm in this, quote, normal space where it's always about little steps. And it's the... um. It's like appropriate dosage. You know, we have yeah. to take... Sorry, we have to take... Uh, baby steps on our yeah. healing journey or it would be too much and we would get too overwhelmed you know our whole system so to see the clothes letting go and for, for you to be able to witness that is so yeah. amazing and yet when you're on a healing journey you're like oh no it's still hard because it's that feeling of it being hard is what calls you to continue the healing journey yes you know so a little bit of letting go and then it's why awareness is so powerful because if you had an awareness practice before you'd be able to be like oh look I'm able to let go, mm. but she's been learning her awareness during this process, which is even more amazing that you were alongside her to kind of witness it and then help guide it, yeah. right? Like, can I show you what you're actually doing? That's so amazing. Yeah. As opposed to just being judging or blaming, which kind of brings us back to that moment where you were like, I can't call anyone in the system. Yeah. And it's a very devastating position that we're in as a society we're in those moments of like dark night of the soul and needing all of the help in the world you felt like there was no one to call mm. you know in that complete crisis mode yeah and the reason being is that 
we go into terror because it's like, well, I could be blamed or my mum could be blamed and someone's going to be punished here. Yeah. Because even though aspects of the system may work, the biggest thing is, is someone has to be blamed. Someone yeah. is wrong. Someone has to be shamed. And actually in this situation, no one is to blame, mm-hmm. right? It is a collective healing experience. And if we understood humanity and our roles here more like that, we'd have a very different experience in times of crisis. Yeah. So it's quite amazing that because you were attuned to that, you then drew in the person who could help facilitate that outside of the system. You yeah. Know? Pretty yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Dancing, dancing around the, the classic taboos of talking about death yeah. and mm. just being mm. able to talk about death in this way. And I think we mentioned that um, in the first episode um, that being able to talk about death from the perspective of someone actually wanting to die and being comfortable with that is it seems like such a big step from where the kind of mainstream consciousness is at. Like, oh, no, you can't talk about suicide. That's just over there. Oh, yeah, we've got a suicide problem. <laughs> You've got to be terrified of death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're afraid of death. We're even more afraid of talking about suicide because it's so stigmatized. It has such a, such a big energy attached to it. Yeah, it's like if it's going to happen, let someone do it alone in the garage rather than bring it up to the surface. Yes. And we think that that's more civilized and that's better. It's like on what grounds, you know, even within the, the mental health system. And again, not saying it's all bad, but if you even kind of mention suicide, it's like all the alarms go off, you know, and you're suddenly treated as this kind of like this either this crazy person or this big problem. And everyone's like, I don't want to be liable for this. And it's like, no one should be liable for anything, you know, and that there should be a safe place to communicate the feelings that come with suicide. It's not just suicide. Yeah. There's many feeling states and somatic states around it that are being explored. Like I'm ready to let go of the clothes is such an epic point to reflect on of like, how do you jump from I'm going to take my own life wearing the clothes that my son died in to I'm actually going to let go of those clothes. Like, it's such a huge step that just gets kind of, you know, washed like, over. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that was weird or that was crazy. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. It's a completely normal reaction to have when you lose your baby like yeah. that. Of course, I want to be close through the, the clothing. Of yeah. course, I want, of course, I want to take my life. Of course, I want to take the same path as him so I can see him. Like, it's actually more logical than being like, I'm just going to get on with my life. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. the weird reaction. Yeah. yeah. They'd be like, I'm going to suppress it all and just throw away his stuff and just go on as normal. And yet when we act like humans, we get treated as if we're lepers. You know? Yeah. And that, that's where we felt left after that. And, and she realized, okay, it can't be this traumatic. It was really traumatic for me as well to seeing her in that Hugely. state. Yeah. And to at the same time shield the kids from it and still function as well. Um, and so <clears throat> together we were in exactly that, again, pull and push situation. Where do we turn to? We mm-hmm. want to make it safe. I, uh, we want to make it human and dignified. And we want to have some support in that. How do yeah. we die? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and not just from suicide. In general, you know, if you, if you are uh, uh, terminally, terminally ill, Ill yeah. how, how do we die? Yeah. And, and, and the Mexican lady was helpful in, in um, 
giving ideas and pushing us into certain directions. And she then also encouraged us to try um, uh, euthanasia, uh, the path of euthanasia. And that is part of the system. And my mum was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm at this point where that's kind of the only option I have. Mm. And we were, we were scared be exactly because what you described before. Mm -hmm. um, but we felt like, okay, let's, let's give it a try. Um, but another big fear my mum had is that people won't fully listen and then um, forcefully put her in a mental health mm -hmm. clinic. Yeah. And then there, there she will be stuck where she doesn't have any mm -hmm. free choice anymore. Which is, how is that helping someone's <laughs> mental health? It's like, oh, we'll put you in prison, you know? Yeah. And take choice away. And I can feel these, even as you're saying it, like my own body restricting, you know, yeah. where it's like, well, then she's not being heard yeah. in what's going on. Or that thing of like, oh, the fact that you're thinking like that means you're broken. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm just thinking like that. Mm. And when we study more about the mind and through yoga philosophy and everything, we understand that our thoughts aren't even us right yeah. they're just something that we're kind of that are moving through and we're trying to understand ourselves and unpack our healing during journey through that but the system is just like oh dear on danger lock you in a room yeah. and then everything you say is discredited because you're put in some box of being crazy and yeah. not that i i don't know what it is currently like in those institutions um but yes that fear of it even i think the collective thought form around it from the last several generations before us is really so burdensome of like I can't go there which is what leads people to doing this because they know that they can't even go to the system mm. and it's very much like Ronnie's experience right like he was in there and it didn't it didn't help yeah. they didn't help him yeah. like that's the reality and we can say oh no it was him I'm like no he went and got his help and it didn't help him yeah. and someone if you want to put blame on it it's like put the blame in the right position because why would your mum then want to go to the same place that didn't mm. help your son, you know, of course. Exactly, exactly. And she said to me, like, if this happens, then I'm going to jump off a bridge or something because mm. I don't want to jump off a bridge. I don't want to involve anyone else. I want to do this mm. in peace for me and I don't want to drag anyone into it. Mm. But if I'm pushed into a corner, then I might panic and that's what I might do. So it was a very uh, uh, delicate um mm -hmm thing and we had to approach it with a lot of um oh. yeah. <laughs> a lot of oh, okay so carefully oh we this um, yes. yeah. <laughs> and maybe a week later or so um uh, we we decided to go this path and she needed uh um proof of her medical history and uh, from the psychiatrist that she went before to give to the euthanasia um organization uh, for them to be able to make a decision if they can assist her or not um, but they said yeah she's she's quite young still it, it doesn't it looks difficult but it's a bit of a special case so we'll we'll see but they needed those it was basically just from when till when was she already in in, in psychological or psychiatrist um, uh, in, in care and so I said, okay, I'm going to go for a walk with the kids and you talk to the psychiatrist and explain to him that you want to go the path of euthanasia and that you need this and this of him if he can provide that. 
And um, while I was coming, because I wanted my kids not to hear that she could just speak freely with him. And so I went out and then she called me and said, oh, you have to come back. He listened to me like five minutes and he hung up the phone and I think he's going to um, call me to, to in so that they will come and get me. Um, and so I rushed back and she was panicking and saying like, um, the police is coming, uh, do not open the door, please don't stab me in the back, I cannot wow. go into a mental health institution. And um, I was like, well, what do I do? And ding dong, the bell rang and it was the police outside. And again, I put the kids in front of TV and said that she should just stay calm and I'll go outside and talk to the police. And uh, she has an indoor elevator so I could go through the elevator out through the garage and then meet the police at the front door and I explained the situation to the police and the police and, and telling them that actually at this very moment she's not in danger she has more time now she wants to go a less um, right now traumatic uh, approach um, and I'm here, she's safe, but but um, but this right now is, is is panicking her. And they understood, but they said they have to act. They have to if I, if I don't open the door, they will they will um they will smash the door down. Um, it's the law that they have to act. All in the name of caring for someone, yes. eh? backing yeah. them into a corner, just like what we do. This is just shows that our system is all about traumatizing people yeah. on the fundamental level. And I'm not talking about individuals or those police officers, but our system, the systemic issue is that we traumatize people and that's it. And it's they, just disgusting. And yeah. they, they were in such an uncomfortable position mm -hmm. themselves and they said the only person that can retract that is the, the psychiatrist. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. And this a psychiatrist that she trusted who then hung up, called the police and didn't even have a conversation or come around himself or create anything else. It's just to understand that level that we trust these people within the system and that's how they respond. And that's still it's affected so horrible. by the fear of suicide and he's yeah, acting from he, a place of fear, right? he'd be liable, right? Mm. And, yeah. and, and and the other, you know, the, she then contacted the other psychologist that she was looked, worked in the same um, clinic that she was working more closely with. Um, but she couldn't sign the handover of the papers to the euthanasia company. So that's why she had to go through the psychiatrist. But the psychologist, she said, no, no, let's not do that. But she didn't have the say in it. So... I contacted that psychiatrist on the phone, got a hold of him, explained, tried to explain to him more that I have two kids in this apartment where my mom is right now, that we, the police is about to uh, storm into, that there is a balcony, um, that I'm scared that my mom will panic. I don't know what she's going to do if we storm into the house like that. Um, that uh, she's safe at the moment um, and that I'm here and that, you know, she wants to take the path with more time, with more, yeah, she's not in immediate danger right now of, of killing herself, except that this right now is putting her into mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. position. 
And the police was right in front of me and they heard it. Like the, the psychiatrist started yelling at me. Sure. They heard it through the phone. And he was, he lit, I couldn't believe it, but he said to me, how dare I putting him into that position? He made his choice. That's what he uh, wants to do. And, um, and that he has now another patient and has to hang up. And I said, like, let's take a deep breath first. <laughs> Lucky someone let's had the tools, down. right? <laughs> now you're coaching the psychiatrist. Yes. But again, and, so much faith in the system. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then he, he did. He, he hung up. And I was like, oh, my God, now I have to, I'm, I'm left with, with that mess. And so the police was like, okay, let's just, you go in first. Let's just take it step by step very calmly. And, um, and I was so nervous and I did, it was really cold as well. And I did tapping on my face and tried to use all the tools to calm me down and walk in calmly and talk to my mom that I'm sorry, but we, we, that's what we have to do now. And it felt like Am I stabbing her in the back now? But I, I mm. had to do it. And luckily, um, as soon as she saw me, uh, she, she felt that and was mm. like, okay, that's just what we're going to do now. But let's have another cigarette first before we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and she went with the police and she went to the same mental health institution that my brother was in. Mm. And, yeah, arrived there. They took all the stuff away and she was you know in a room where you can't do anything where there's nothing in except a bed and again just want to remind everyone she's not a prisoner or a criminal <laughs> yeah. you've forgotten the yeah. part of the story yeah and and she approached it in a really lovely way she said okay now i'm just experiencing what my son has been experiencing mm. as well and let's That's just so beautiful. be <clears throat> curious and see how that feels mm. and have the inside view of it and she stayed in there for maybe uh, 10 days and we were i was in contact with her um um uh, uh with her caregiver and doctor and they in the end said well there's nothing we can do for for her and we, she can be released again because she doesn't want to get she doesn't want to she doesn't want to get better or help or, or you know um, work on how to live um and so um and it's, it's funny that we call it get better like i don't know if that's the words but yeah. it's like get better you know they're like could you fit into a box that makes us feel more comfortable mm. yeah rather yes. than really recognizing that you know there is no rules around grief there is no time structure around grief there is no way in which we discover and work out death and what's so fascinating about the story is it's like oh no but you might kill yourself you're like okay mm. she might kill herself yeah. also if it was her time to go she would have died the first time mm. but she did not all the second time. Mm. So we're all so paranoid, you know, yeah. of this person that's going to die, which actually doesn't affect, you know, I mean, obviously it affects you in like a, an emotional point of view of the heartbreak. But it's that this bizarre concept that the sort of mainstream view wants to, to believe that we're all separate, like little separate islands. Yeah, when this is happening, suddenly they're leaning into the view that we're all so connected and we can't lose one. Mm. You're like, well, which view do you want to have, scientific materialism? Because you can have one or the other. Because actually where we all sit is that we're all... Inter intricately 
intricately connected. Mm. And yet the system, that scientific materialistic view says that we're all separate islands. And yet they're the one that are like, we desperately can't have you kill yourself. It's like, why would it matter if you believed in your own science? And yet it should be us that are freaking out. And actually we're saying, yes, but if you bring love and awareness and attention to it and you love somebody for where they're at, maybe they choose a different way. Maybe they don't, but the way they choose is up to them and it's got nothing to do with us. And all we're doing is loving and supporting. Yeah. So it's just such an interesting thing. The, the words we hear, you know, get better. She doesn't want to get better. It's like, no, she wants to come home, you know. She's mm. trying to find her way in what this is. And that was her way, yeah. you know. It's not saying she doesn't want to get better. She just doesn't like the way you're doing it. <laughs> and to connect, and, and they, were, they were quite open to hear. They were just, they just felt helpless. And then I yeah. think they, but they saw that, I was okay with it and, and that I was very much involved in all these um, discussions and that, you know, uh, I would, we will, I'll keep um, supporting my mum the way I could. And interestingly, another uh, patient there um, knew Roni as well. So she was with a patient that was already in there with my brother too. Wow, amazing. Um, What's, so, the, what's the time frame between when he was in there? Months, yeah, one and a half years. Yeah. So she wasn't there all the time, but she was there in and out and in and yeah. out. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it, but it was another interesting um, encounter for my mum. And that's what my mum always thought, like, okay, there is a reason why I'm still here and why I'm going through this and why I'm meeting this person and that person and and um and have and finding these connections and learn even more about Roni's path and 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 my own grief and guilt around it. Um yeah. Uh, but when she was released, it was like like 50, 50 a bit. Uh, like, okay, what, what, is, what is happening now? We're, we're from here. Um, I noticed that my mom would do things that pointed clearly to me that she doesn't want to die. Like um, mm. she would still read the newspaper she would still put makeup on when she goes out. Not that mm. she went out a lot. But um, she still cared very much how people would think about her at, at work. She, um, Even though she's left work, but she, yeah, basically she wasn't ready to leave the house unmasked mm. yet. There was still some, some clinging but other and other moments yeah where I saw like no there is a joy of life still here too and Mm. um and I felt oh I have these tools um I want to show her but also I kind of can't she has to find her own path I can't put my the tools that work for me and they are a bit more embodied tools Mm. it doesn't work for her she has a different way of Mm. of of, um yeah approaching her own well-being and 
And I noticed, okay, I'm getting depleted. I need mm. to nourish my, what do I need at this moment? And <clears throat> um, the kids were still around, of course. So every day I would still go out in nature with the boys and they were such a huge help to just ground me and keep me going mm. and keep me, um, yeah, keep me going and do, do things outside and, and with other kids and friends and, mm. and enjoying um, Swiss foods and things that mm. I miss when I'm in New Zealand. So I was trying to nurture me in that way. But I realized, oh, I am, I am also screaming at the kids more. I'm really reaching my limit more and more and becoming the mum I do not want to be. Mm. Or yeah, just feeling feeling that I'm I'm totally on my on my limit. Mm. And um, my best friend from our best friends from New Zealand. Um, were in France at that time and because they uh, have been planning to go um, on a on a journey there themselves um, on a yacht to sail around the world with four kids but that's a different podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway so they were at this moment in France and and I thought like oh, I have to I have to see them uh, Let's uh, let's meet them where they are. They had a big family gathering uh, because she's from France originally, and uh, so we packed the kids. And my mum decided at the end, oh, she's coming too. So that was that that gave me some hope. And we went there. Um, we drove there, and she was staying mainly in the Airbnb. But it gave me. It gave me some feeling of comfort and home and I opened the door out of the car after a long drive and hugged um, the kids from my best friends and my best friends and started crying and just could could let go and it was like, oh, <laughs> yes, I need that. <laughs> and it felt like this, yeah, the, the possibility that I could see them in this moment while I was in Europe and they usually are in New Zealand was mm. such a blessing. Mm. And so they were great. They could look after the kids and we didn't have many days, but um, we, we, I just felt like let's go for a hike or something. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> and they had that planned with the family and I said, okay, I'm coming with you. I don't feel very uh, strong in my body, but I do need this. So, we went on this hike together up a mountain. Um, it was snowing. It, it had snow already on the mountain. And while we were hiking up, um, the, my friends especially, um, he was saying like, oh my gosh, your story is quite overwhelming. I do not know how I can help you as a friend. And I said, um, you do not need to help me at all. Just, just walk beside me like just yeah. just be okay with being around me yeah. <laughs> and as I said that we were walking beside each other and my and she the the the, the, the wife and she was walking next to me and we both had the most horrendous shoes on they were so slippery 
and it became icy and we were just slipping on that mountain. It was really, really hard to get up. But it was a beautiful image of like, she is just as much struggling with me right next to me <laughs> as we walk up. And the mountain seemed endless and endless and I, I can't go any further. And somehow we did. And after a while, we we ended up at the top and it was like, wow <laughs> and somehow we we slipped our way fell so many times but we we made it and mm. we're here together that was another incredible um yeah just manifestation in the outside what was happening mm. for me in the inside and um and yeah they after a few days um we we left again, went back to Switzerland. Oh, yes. Oh, it was New Year's Eve. And before that, um, Christmas. Christmas we spent before we met them in France. And Christmas was horrendous as well because my mum got given some new pills to try out, mm. quite hard ones. But she was such a zombie. And I tried to celebrate Christmas with the kids and mm. make it nice and festive for them. And at the same time, there was this topic everywhere because it's Christmas of, of Jesus and a magical baby being born. And what does this mean? So all these questions popped up for my boys. And I was very much, uh, I tried to be as open as I could with them. And I wanted to prepare them that Dita their Dita, how they call her grandmother, um, or my mum is potentially going to die. And because they sensed, obviously, mm. um, that there's so much going on. But telling them that, yeah, Jesus had magical powers in his heart, that he could heal other people. But we all have Jesus inside of us mm. and that we all have that power. Um, just by simply loving people and he and they understood that well and at the same time I had to make sure not to keep their hopes up feeling that if my mum is gonna die that they failed or something mm. like that so explaining very um, carefully that her heart is so overwhelmed with so there's so much grief and sadness and that's normal to feel but that that's the only thing she can feel and no other feelings and how we usually go through mm. these feelings as well because I'm like oh I don't want them to feel that when they are sad they're gonna die you yeah, know it's, it's just complex. That, yeah it's mm. quite complex um but they understood they understood it so well and I think they just watched me going through that as well and as I'm explaining things to them I understood them myself better too. Mm. Can you remind the listeners how old they are at this stage? Uh, they were three and five yeah, yeah. Mm. but they they are, were very young but they were those questions they asked me all these questions mm. around what what who is jesus what is god um what do you mean god's son and things like that that came up in stories and 
And yeah, it provided a great opportunity to ask myself these questions as well mm. and <clears throat> clarify a bit more, simplify them because they're kind of big concepts, but how do you put them in really simple terms? Mm. And, and so saying that, yeah, uh, all we, we, you have magical powers with simply your heart and being here and with your love. Um, and so after the New Year's Eve, we went back to Switzerland from France and we were driving, um, we were driving in the car to sleep. The kids were asleep in the back, um, but all of a sudden we hit a wall of fog and it was the thickest fog I've ever encountered. Like I could not see anything with the car. I could not have seen my own hand if I was outside the car, but I was on a highway. So I had to go fairly quickly. I had no idea is there a car in front of me, behind me. Um, and, and I just, that's how the situation was again. It's like this fog. Yeah. Have you ever seen that in Switzerland before? No, that, no, no, never. And, and it was really scary in a way my mum we we went completely quiet we couldn't even talk it was kind of so surreal yeah. was your mother at this stage afraid of dying in that moment she was afraid of of that something would happen to me and the kids mm. she no she wasn't afraid of dying mm. but she was afraid of us being in this fog as well yeah and um and i was having my hands on the steering wheel and i had to just keep going and i couldn't slow down i couldn't speed up i couldn't stop if i stopped there would be uh, there's i couldn't see if i'm in the middle of the road or is there a you know you can't even see is there a an, an it's emergency so bag to know what to do it's so crazy and so I'm like okay okay breathing i'm breathing i'm breathing in I'm breathing out. Huh, I'm still breathing in. I'm still breathing out. Fog is still here. Let's keep going. And so about for, for 10 minutes until we went into a tunnel and then after the tunnel, the fog lifted. And it was like, that, oh my God, <laughs> again. Like, and, and, and my mom was very much exactly in that fog. Like, I don't know where mm. to go and I didn't know where to go. I saw glimpses of 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 her um, wanting to um, let go of the idea that she might stay on Earth and mm. not join my brother and make that how that could look like. But then also, um, yeah, only glimpses, and then she retrieved again. And in the meantime. The, the the yoga training has finished and we graduated and I could graduate online and joining in that way um, but I still needed help so we I was so grateful that you suggested that we established um, weekly zoom calls where we where I could decompress and where I could um, yeah just have your incredible insight and advice and we established those with um, our psychic friend as well. 
and that was amazing because she could just give another layer of insight and she could um, explain a bit more things how my mom and Roni have been connected in previous lives and mm. and that gave a bit more yeah uh, safety for me to or it made it easier for me to to just be okay with what's going on and not forcefully um, change something and go a bit with the flow um, but even though she has psychic abilities, she also doesn't know what's happening and there's free will is always at mm-hmm. play. So we didn't know in what direction it really, really would go. And the euthanasia um, <clears throat> path uh, came to a halt. So we, we, they, they, they were, it was not going any further. They couldn't assist my mum because she's too young and... So I had um, four weeks left and until I had to fly back with the booked managed isolation place. So there wasn't much, there wasn't flexibility there. And I felt like, oh, um, what's going to happen? Four weeks, like, is my mom going to die? If she does, I have to deal with the funeral and all of that. Um, <laughs> if she's not going to die, how am I going to support her? How am I going to support her? How can I leave her alone? I can't leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I do I drag her with me? But she doesn't want to come. She feels like New Zealand is my chosen country, not hers. Um, she. We had a lot, a lot of talks mm-hmm. about that, but. Um, <clears throat> I felt, okay, what do I want to manifest for myself? And you encouraged to me to write down um, and, and come to a place of meditation where I want to drop into what, what do I want for my life? What do I deserve in my life? And before I left, you gave me um, this crystal pendulum that I'm holding in my hands right now so I was holding that um, in meditation and feeling what is my biggest wish at the moment and my biggest wish was um, to be sitting in in the opening sharing circle of the 300 advanced yoga teacher training course (laughs) (laughs) and a feeling of I made it back to New Zealand and all is well and I have no idea how, no, no, absolutely no idea, is my mom alive, is she dead, Um, no idea, but how would that feel if I was there and I was proud looking back at this journey and happy Mm. and um, did that manifestation and that was powerful and, and gave me some uplifting and just to just say for those listeners, the ability to be in that much trauma, I mean, because we were connecting with, with you regularly, we watched what happened. You became very depleted. Your body was in a lot of pain. Even your skin kind of changed, you know, lost color and like everything, like looked different. I was smoking a lot. We were smoking a lot. Every night with my mom. But it was not well, you know, the, the energy <clears throat> depletion. Um was quite amazing and I know that there was other pain and and physical ailments that were going on Mm. because that's what happens 
to be able to not become the victim of yourself, right? In this situation to say, I'm actually going to focus on something positive and believe that it's a possibility, even though at the time it seemed like the craziest possibility. Like it's easy to sit here and talk about, oh, you know, that's nice and da, 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 da. But at the time being back and your mum being fine, you know, was just, it, it was like, it seemed impossible, Right. Like that was the level. So to be able to sit down and meditate and be able to hold an internal coherence for that vision takes a lot of strength, you know, and ability to be able to do that, which I think I'll say for me and John, like blew us away. Yeah. You know, it was so amazing to see and so inspiring to be like, no, no, I have to keep, this is my only, basically this is my only option. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to keep a very clean line. I've tried everything else. If I don't do this now, I don't know what else I'm going to do. And then she just did it with everything you had, you know, yeah. it's very incredible. And I, and I felt like, yeah, this is ridic- a bit ridiculous. Like I, mm-hmm. I have no idea how it's utopic yeah. that f- to reach that feeling. Um, but um, Particularly yeah. when your mother had already kind of denied, in a sense, all of those things that when you hear stories about post-suicide revelations that – she had already denied all of them. She yeah. had the suicide attempt mm. and then still wanted to go. Yes. Tried again and then still wanted to go. <clears> Hadn't <throat> had that moment. And then was around her grandchildren at Christmas time. I mean, if this was a Hollywood movie, that would have fixed everything, right? Mm. Grandchildren yes. at Christmas yeah. time. Yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. All of a cookie, yeah. yeah, all yes. of a sudden, you know, oh, life is actually worth living. Or, you know, the moment of New Year's Eve, all yeah. of a sudden, ah, oh, my New Year's resolution is to stay alive. Yeah. But none of those none. things. And when you have to override, it's like it's not your mind. It's not mm. a cognitive process, which I think is what, like what the staff at the institution felt, this feeling of hopelessness. Because you're like, it's, you can't mentally, you can't talk your way out of this. Mm. It's a physiological response she's having from that level of grief and pain and despair. And also the trauma even before Ronnie, you know, it's, yeah. it's layered on exactly. top to be like, this is a physiological, it's biological reaction that's happening that can be, I don't say bypassed, it can be transformed from both a top-down and bottom-up approach, yeah. which is working with an embodied approach and this kind of cognitive approach, but uniting together. And when you're not given that support and you don't already have something there, one, it's a really hard sell because when you feel like that, the last thing you want to do is work with your body. Yes. Because you go into your body even for five seconds and it's a horrible place to be. Mm. So how do you get to the point where you're like, oh, but if I stay longer, it might get better. That is, again, really, really challenging to do when you already feel like I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm so overwhelmed. So even just being around that and supporting your mom, you know, it's such a hard thing to do because it just starts to make you feel like that because you're giving so much. Even though she's like, I don't want it from you. Of course you're going to. You're her daughter. Mm -hmm. And the the complexity of the situation is um, amazing. And then trying to maintain a sense of your own joy for your children. Yes. It's very hard. And the... The time pressure as well. I feel like the because it's like okay, four weeks. We kind of have you know something has to happen now, and it's not even coming home to like your loving partner and New Zealand summer. It's coming home to be in prison for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. This is the middle of COVID and the the front end of COVID. Two children under five. Mm. Yeah, there was two weeks of very, very, very managed. Isolation. I mean, we're talking, what, it was the January, February in 2021, like yeah. right after 2020, yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. And after that um, um, 
hopeful manifestation shortly very shortly after um, my mum she had been given she we found a new psychiatrist that she felt a bit more comfortable with for right now um, but uh, he prescribed her new drugs to try out and strong ones um, very strong ones and the pharmacy um, by a mistake gave my mum double the dose and so wow. good one she's on suicide watch <laughs> <laughs> but again the system saves the day <laughs> and and for my mum it was like yep that's what I'm gonna do um this is this is perfect thank you for that um uh this I I yeah Shortly after that, she, she's like, no, I'm sure I am going to do it with those pills. Um, and so I was like, oh, I thought I, I just had that glimmer of hope. Mm -hmm. um, okay, letting go again, going with the flow, um, trusting, 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 trusting. And what okay. I remember of this moment, it was like one of the most exhausting mm -hmm. letting go moments. Yeah of the whole process of like, I have to do the letting go again. Mm, so depleted. Like you said, yeah. the time pressure was so real. Yeah. It's just like, well, which way? Because it's going to change the next four mm. weeks massively. Yeah. yeah. And we started talking, uh, talking about it and, and saying, okay, we have to plan this. We have to make it safe for everyone. Um, we have to... Uh, I need some support as well in this. Yeah. Um, the Mexican lady ironically went back to Mexico, so she wasn't around. Um, but my best friends, they were in the meantime in Spain, in Barcelona. So um, she said she's going to come She with her three-year-old son, but she's going to come and support me, which was the biggest, biggest blessing. And... Um, and we had our psychic friend and you guys, of course. So we all kind of had to change plans again and, and adjust. And so we decided that I'm going to rent an Airbnb apartment so that I'm not there when, it, when she decides to, to take all those pills. Um, that the kids are away and that um, my friend will come and be with me in that apartment and that when I ring her every morning um, and she doesn't pick up her home phone and her cell phone, that I would come and have a look yeah, what has been happening. And so we started planning this carefully and planning every detail about her funeral. We weren't sure because of COVID if only like three other people were allowed to come or not. Um, planning what she wanted on the tombstone that would be um, my brother's tombstone and as well and like every every detail um yeah discussing that but at the same time she knew okay um this is my last week and then I'm finally gonna be released and my suffering is ending and uh 
and it's okay for me as well it's not going to be a traumatic it, she felt she really had now the right way and the right permission um emotional permission from from me as well and we've discussed everything so that she felt at ease and in this last week she became so free and joyful and mm -hmm. and uh, I hear that a lot that in in the last uh, days when before pe before people's suicide that's when you think oh but everything was finally getting better mm -hmm. and good um but for her yeah to see that how she would make jokes with me and and we even brought we brought a lot of lightness and joy into it as well it's interesting eh? like this whole thing of that all she did was come into the present moment yeah and that everything in the sort of spiritual literature let's say is about if you can arrive in the present you're not in the suffering mm -hmm. and from this buddhist perspective it's mm. like all life is suffering and what's happened to your mum is that the suffering dial was turned up. If we had zero to 10, hers was on 10. Yeah. Ours might all be on like a four. And so as soon as it was like, okay, that's the date, she arrived in the present moment yeah. and life came back. And it's so fascinating to be like training ourselves to be in the present when the dial isn't turned up is so, so valuable for if the dial does get turned up. Yes. Mm. Right. So that we, it's really hard when it's happened because you don't have that basis. Yeah. But being able to train in this and know the benefit of investing in ourselves and investing in daily practices and everything to actually understand how to be in the present moment is so valuable. Except yeah. for that experience there that then put her in the present moment. It's like, but that's this is actually who you are. Yeah. This is the yes. essence of life. It only exists now in the moment. And imagine if you just chose that every day, like tomorrow's the day I die. Yeah. Which, right, if we put our focus on that, we live in a whole different way. Yeah. And yoga is all about that, you know. Face your death and you'll learn how to live. Yes. She faced her death. She's learning how to live. It's um. And a lot of the literature in yoga, the, the translations say, do this practice and this practice and you will conquer death. And it gets kind of laughed at by people mm. because they're looking at it from the perspective of, oh, you think you're going to be immortal? Are these practices for immortality? It's like, no means you'll conquer your fear of death. Mm. You'll be above the, the death taboo. You'll mm. be above that, that stuck place. Mm. And that even with your mum, it it, it, it's still a manifestation of fear of death, even though she wanted to die. Mm. It's like fear of living, which is the same thing. Yeah. And it's, it's just so fascinating how it can manifest that it's like without the suicide, it's like her behavior is like, I'm never going to die. Yeah. Right. And other people are like, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. So whichever one we have fear towards is the actual same fear. And yes. how, to, how to arrive into the present moment is just, it's so key, but so beautiful to hear that again and be like, that's what she's doing. She's, she became present with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and <clears throat> my, my um, trauma um, regulator probably, or my trauma level went up more because mm -hmm. like, oh Absolutely. you know i have a i have a, you know what's going to happen but at the same time to see her in being present helped me to also not wanting because it was our last week together wanting mm. to not miss those moments and mm, be yeah. present with mm. her in those moments and do the jokes and laugh and 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 uh and yeah we had some really beautiful moments and uh the and it came to to the last um the last 
afternoon together and uh, I was without the kids and just me and her and I was pretty sure that she was gonna do it that night but I, 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 it could have been yeah we just had a whole book week but that was the first night of that week where I would be away and um, and I was yeah I was very aware okay this is our last afternoon together and we watched Pretty Woman <laughs> and um, we had again some great talks and uh, and she's yeah she said that she's gonna put some special um, uh, underwear on for me special for me as a little wink joke or things like that um, <laughs> when I'll find her and yeah it was just bizarre it was bizarre but at the same time there was so much love mm. and because of all the our our um uh learning about the spiritual world we we would make plans okay how we knew our relationship wasn't ending. It was just coming to a different, it will become a different form. Mm. And we could already on this side of the earth discuss how do we want to make that look like mm. and how, uh, because the way she feels only was mainly with leaning forward or leaning back or on one side. And I said, oh, uh, you could, you know, let's see if we can make it that when I feel the tingling and my right hand that this is a sign that it's you and mm -hmm. just like kind of already exploring <clears throat> how are we gonna keep in touch basically mm -hmm. and and there was there was fear around it as well um especially with the psychic friend and and with another um my after seeing dolly when my mum uh, found couldn't reach Dolly anymore. She found another medium and was working with another couple of mediums, and and they were tuning into Ronnie. And there was this like, yes, Ronnie will always be happy to be reunited with my mum, but also he would be just as happy not to, or that there is still going to be a lot of things that she will have to look at and mm -hmm. in her review or in her spiritual learning and that passing, and that won't be easy. Mm -hmm. um, but my mum was aware of that, of that, but wanted to, yeah, wanted to take it that, that path. And so, yeah, it was... I, I had definitely still um, fear around it, uh, but again, just had to kind of trust and go with the flow. And the last, when we said goodbye, um, I went down with the elevator that's in her apartment down to the garage. And then my mum was um, saying some lovely words from still in her apartment, but I could hear it like from above an echo. And I was like, mm. oh, this is how I'm going to hear you from now on. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, the voice from above. And yeah, and I uh, went to the apartment with my best friend and just um, fell or let go like cried a lot and mm. she made me a bath and and uh, it was I was very 
I was very nervous, mm. um, but also um, almost excited in a way. Or like, okay, this is the crescendo. This is like the, mm. the now it's it's happening. I feel like there isn't an English word for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited. There was a lot of energy. Yes, there was a lot of energy. Let's put it that way. And in that night where, again, I knew, I just knew that she was going to take the pills in this night. Um, my best friend and I, uh, again, started meditating, listening to music, smoked some weed. But um, I looked at all the photos of my life, my childhood, and and was almost talking to my inner child. And we've done this before mm. in sessions before, like talking to my younger self and and with so much love and pride and look all these things mm. that you're gonna live and explore in your life and all the things I wanted to do and I could do um, traveling and moving to New Zealand things I always thought I would never have the courage to do that um, and so I could drop into a feeling of pride and together with my best friend she as well she looked back at her teenager self and what her dream was her dreams were and and we we've just found so much love for our younger selves and mm. and and fun as well and realized like you were always on the right path already back then <laughs> i can see now why this was happening or why you were thinking mm. this and feeling this and and i looked at lots of photos from my mom but they were with a lot of love so much love and knowing that this act of letting go now is an act of love and so we had a which should have been probably or i would have anticipated is going to be a, a horrible night was was a beautiful night of celebration the the deep um sadness but seeing the love in the sadness and mm. and uh yeah so it was let yeah it was it was it was a night yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the next morning i was super super anxious to call my mum. did you sleep no i didn't i didn't really sleep mm. uh i was laying in bed yeah. <laughs> for a few hours but but um yeah, I was so anxious. My whole body was shaking. And um, I. it took the, the moment, the, this was a really hard moment for me to just call her. Mm. And just, yeah, is she going to pick up? Is she not going to pick up? Mm. If she picked okay. up. It's yeah. a pretty big moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> am I ready to start grieving now? Yes. That's the question you're yeah. asking yourself when you're picking up the phone. Yeah. Or do I want to stay in the possibility of not grieving. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I called her and there was no answer on both phones. And so, okay, the moment has arrived. We put our kids um, to another very close friend. She was, uh, she knew ex everything that was happening and I'm so grateful for her because not many friends can can actually walk alongside yeah. you in that yeah. and and not 
panic and you know mm. um so she was just like okay i'm taking the kids you do not worry about them and you do what you need to do and so we drove to to my mum's apartment and it was snowing like it has never snowed before in my hometown like it was just ridiculous <laughs> the amount of snow <laughs> it was uh, really difficult made things really difficult but really stunning at the same yeah. time again and so um we drove to her apartment and i was so so nervous to go and really scared of yeah really scared and and um and my best friend was holding my hand and and I had a cigarette and okay, let's let's go in now. This is the moment. And we went in and I couldn't go very close. And I saw my mum on the couch laying and she was completely grey and she was dead. And I couldn't go closer, but I completely started sobbing and fell apart and, and but it was it was not just grief it was also relief like mm. oh she finally reached what she wanted she mm. is she has done it now she is at peace now um and maybe a few seconds later we said we all all of a sudden we heard this And we realized, oh my God, she's still breathing. Oh, she's not dead. And and I was like, fuck, what now? What? <laughs> this was not in the plan. It was not in the plan. And and uh, and we we didn't know what to do. And we just like, okay, off. We need to give her space again. And we retrieved. We walked back. We walked out of the apartment. And regrouped and said, like, what, what are we going to do now? And um, maybe she just needs more time. But for me, it was like, fuck, it's not over. Like, yeah. it's not, what? It's not over. Um, and so we went back to our Airbnb with no kids. And it's like, what? This was so hard to be in that moment, like waiting, like not knowing what to do what's going on how much longer and how much longer do i wait and having made multiple promises to your mother about how you're going to behave already yes and yes so that you're not going to call an ambulance you're not going to do these things yes she yeah. she signed a medical um a medical directive saying that she doesn't want any resuscitation and and um Yes, yes, exactly. So, okay, resourcing myself again and we, my best friend luckily is very much um, into all of the, the similar practices as well. So we, we said, oh, let's do yoga nidra, um, uh, uh, relaxation form where you lay down and uh, you follow a script. Um, and we did that and she read it out to me and there were 
it was just weird the things coming up like snowy mountains and a coffin and that, that was just a script that she randomly chose and it was so <laughs> fitting and then um and and yeah but i noticed like i'm getting really really impatient i can't listen to my inner voice i don't know what to do like usually i know what to i can feel it but i couldn't feel it so i reached out to to um the mexican uh, lady in mexico and she was saying that oh it doesn't look very good my mom's in a dark place but it takes longer for her to pass she will need more time um and that feel that felt really yucky mm. um so i reached <coughs> out terrifying. to yes to to um our psychic friend but because of the time difference it was at night for her and she couldn't really she didn't um message back so I didn't hear from her and it's like oh what what do I do and we gave it a few hours and yeah maybe two hours and two hours later um I all of a sudden out of the blue got a message from our psychic friend that said you have to go back um your mum's not good you have to go back that was mm. the message and I tried to call her and couldn't reach her and I was like what does this mean like oh my god <laughs> so I called what kind of not good you know yeah. yes. what, which realm are we t- talking about mm. yeah exactly and and so I called you guys it was early in the morning and it was yeah and, <laughs> and even though you were in New Zealand we happen to be on some snowy mountains too. Exactly. In January. <laughs> in Christchurch, well, in Arthur's Pass, it was snowing. It had been like 30 degrees four days beforehand. We got there and it was snowing this morning. It was so cold. It was about 6 a.m., I think, when you called. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was just bizarre. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And you were at the uh, you were at the sacred place yeah. too. Yeah, the Fiti. Yep. Yeah, that's out of Christchurch. Birthplace yeah. of the gods birthplace of the gods and mm. and you were saying me you whatever you do we're going to support and love you anyway and and giving me some that I actually already know what I'm going to do and I just need to remember to breathe and you gave me some breathing instructions and and I knew okay I have to go back I have to go back um but I was very scared i was very scared that oh i have to make now a decision and i have to mm-hmm. go against my mom's decision or or not or what what is going to happen and so we went into the car again and drove up in my and i focused so hard on the breathing and my hands cramped up and my friend as well we were just breathing together in the car and like okay here we go again we haven't reached the mountaintop yet (laughs) 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 and and we we arrived and this time i wasn't scared this time i just stormed into the apartment and i went straight close to my mom and touched her and she was still laying the same way and she was still breathing her Darth Vader breath <laughs> and and then um, I just told her I'm I love you I love you and I, I, um, you can 
everything is fine and we can we'll make it work and you can come back and um and then I could reach um uh, my psychic friend our psychic friend and she could pick up and she was like yes she I, I asked her if she could ask my mom to give me permission to call the ambulance and she said yes she she's here she's um she invited her for tea but <laughs> my mom didn't like the tea she wants coffee and that was like yes that is my mom my mom <laughs> does never drink tea yeah. she always drinks coffee she can't survive Ironically, without coffee, <laughs> I mean, it would have been a lot easier. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, okay, yes, it's my mom. Yes, I'm going to call the ambulance. Mm. And the ambulance came and they took her into the hospital. But because of COVID, I wasn't allowed to go with her. So I was like, oh my God, I just saw that my mom kind of opened her eyes and was completely and then closed it again um but i didn't know is she gonna die there yeah I, again i couldn't More reach waiting. her was More this waiting. your birthday not yet not yet it Sorry. was one night before my birthday and i couldn't go and see her and the doctors were really unsure what to do because of the medical um, directive that she signed and so the next day which was my birthday um a different during the night a different doctor has been assigned to her so with that doctor he would let, allow me to come and visit in the hospital um sensible so, yes <laughs> so i could go and she was unconscious though um and i could and the doctors were great they took a lot of time to for me so i could explain really what has happened and you know in a short sentence like yeah yeah i'm supporting my mom to for her suicide but a psychic friend in new zealand told me yeah. <laughs> she had tea with her and she told me she didn't want to die now all of a sudden so here we are here we are here we are <laughs> so it was just complex but i tried to explain as much as i could and they were very um, open to listen but also felt a bit helpless and we weren't we weren't sure like um if she wakes up if there was brain damage if she needs to go on a kidney dialysis and all of these things and what we should do should we pump out the stomach but the medical directive says no so yeah it was difficult but as soon as i came back out of the chat with the uh, doctors and at my mum's bed um she woke up and she she <laughs> woke some up some people just aren't meant to die yeah. <laughs> oh she woke up and the doctors were like well this is a miracle because she took 60 pills of hard hard drugs that she yeah they were they were like they couldn't believe that she would she took survive 60 60 good yeah. <laughs> yeah and even taking 60 pills seems exhausting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing them in fives? I don't know. <laughs> ah, and, and, uh, yeah. and she woke up and she was obviously still completely high from the pills. But I was telling her, Mom, I'm so sorry. It didn't work. But you really tried. Like you did <laughs> everything right. Like it's not 
your fault because beforehand she's Ronnie said, wants you to stay. Yeah. Ronnie wants you to stay. <laughs> she said things like, oh, I'm even too stupid to to kill myself. And and so I said, you tried everything. It just didn't work. It didn't work. And she was like, yeah, well, I'm I'm just staying here now. I've, I've decided I'm staying here now. It's all good. <laughs> and it was such a relief that my mom said, like, I took my phone out and said, like, can you say it again? I just want it on record to, let, to tell you later that in this moment you you decided to yeah. come back mm. and that was just the biggest um, birthday present and it felt like she was reborn and I was reborn in that moment mm. and yeah it was such a relief and obviously it took a while she stayed in the hospital for a week for her to recover and unpack but she remembered what was happening that she was having a kind of a near-death experience and in a realm of in between where she was in front of two paths and she couldn't decide which path to go and she was there lingering the longest time not able to make a decision also Roni wasn't there in that space because if he was there, she would have made the decision instantly to stay, to, to go with him, but he wasn't there. She said she wasn't scared at that moment, but she just couldn't make a decision. Mm. And all of a sudden, she could, and she decided, she saw me on the left path, and, and she decided to take that path, and she saw me, and she heard my oldest son's voice mm. saying that he loves her and that he needs her and that he wants her to be safe and here and well and my son never said that out loud mm. that, to me but I'm I know he would have said that in his heart and so he's such she, a sensitive boy yeah. he is yeah. and so she she could hear that and in that moment once she took that decision she also realized what she has done and that's when she be started become really scared mm. because then she regretted the decision that she took the 60 pills mm. because she knew she couldn't she was unconscious her body wasn't conscious her body couldn't reach anyone and she knew even if she could I I I couldn't believe her because she has been trying to convince me for three months <laughs> so hard with everything she had Amazing. that this is what she wanted. And that's the moment that got scary for her. And then for her to be able to wake up was then, yeah, such a relief. Mm -hmm. And she even said, well, I'm coming to New Zealand with you for a while. And... Um, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she still had no sense of space and time. She was in and out. She um, was very sensitive to any type of smells. But she she could, for a whole week, she was still so close to that spiritual space. Like she said, she could feel all the love coming from the nurses. Mm. The nurses were great. Um, the doctors 
as well. Um, uh, yeah, uh, they was it was so weird. They was they were given to us because the COVID wing, which apparently according to media was overflowing, but in real life it was empty. So the nurses <laughs> could tend to my mum well and uh, had great talks with her as well at night two of them especially so it was it was just the doctors couldn't believe how she didn't use need any kidney dialysis or anything how her body just recovered itself so that after a week she could be released back into it's interesting, you know, that like being so connected to the love, the oneness, which is the healing energy, right? It's the yeah. healing of all. So because she was connected to it, her body just healed because she made a choice, a clear choice yes. with a clear intention, with an elevated emotion mm -hmm. and then healed the body. It's so profound to see that and for the nurses and doctors. But also, <clears throat> you know, we can talk about the faults with the system and things. We're really, the system and the world we live in is always a reflection of what we're going through mm -hmm. and what we need to learn. And so when she came to this very clear space, she had a very beautiful reflection mm -hmm. back yeah. through the system itself becomes more beautiful. And it's like, it's there for whatever we need to see. We need the, we need it to be fractured in so many ways to see the fractured parts of ourselves. Yes. You know, and you look at that whole journey of how it's come and at the point where the psychologist is yelling to the point where the nurses are sitting with her and talking. Yeah. It's, you know, isn't it fascinating that there is no, it's not one plus one. Yeah. It's a spiral. And when we start to shift and heal, it's reflected back in such a profoundly beautiful way. Because, you know, I think these things happen. And then after it's happened, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that happened. But this is like what would be described as a, a miracle. What's the medical term? Spontaneous remission. remission. Thank you. <laughs> not, not that she had uh, an ailment to, to have remission out of. But it's still, but, it was yeah. spontaneous, right? Absolutely. And remission back to normal. Like she doesn't have brain damage. She went back completely to normal and better and she was better. she was and <laughs> yeah. yes and she was you know unconscious and basically dying and hardly any oxygen for her brain for the pharmaceutical companies would tell us hours. that 60 pills will cure suicide yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> advertising to yeah. <laughs> yeah and she so she went Back to after hospital to um, the mental health institution again. <laughs> Hello, here I am again, and got released a week a week after. And it was um, uh, and we applied again for a visa for her to come to New Zealand and and uh, this time had some more um, doctors statement saying how really important and urgent it is and and uh and yeah the time was running out and we didn't know can she come or can she not come and i have to leave in two days and uh COVID, <laughs> it truly was two days yes so two days and, and covid tests and 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 you know getting ready for that traveling in that time wasn't as easy and knowing that we're going to managed isolation and could my mum come or not? And and uh, if she can't come, my partner would come and join us in managed isolation because I just felt like, oh my god, I'm just going to fall apart <laughs> after all of this. <laughs> and um, and one day before my flight, we got her visa. I came <laughs> and through. flights like <laughs> <laughs> we booked her flight. 
um, managed to get someone to look after her cat as well and she could and we were on that flight to New Zealand and then straight into managed isolation <laughs> again um, but it was yeah it was uh, inside there was so much freedom and to witness that miracle that we witnessed was incredible and at the same time it was still it was still hard and seeing my partner and you know the kids dad after all of this after three months from far through gates not able to hug and touch and just yeah that was surreal the kids not able to run outside we were allowed one hour a day on a parking lot our managed isolation was in the middle of the city and they weren't allowed to run um, or only walk in clockwise or counterclockwise and things like that. <laughs> but guys, that was for everyone's health. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I want to remind everyone, they weren't criminals. Okay. And this wasn't jail, but it sounds a lot like it. It's it curious. does. Yeah. And we came, we made it, but that's the managed isolation is where, where my body then broke as mm. well. Like we came out, the kids had ticks and and Leo couldn't move his head. He was just tilting to one side and my whole body was aching and it took a while to mm. recover from that and it was that was just the last straw. And everyone who was in managed isolation obviously wasn't there for pleasure, but they had some family emergency. So it wasn't it wasn't easy, but we made it and we came out of it and my mum was with us mm. and a month later I was sitting in that sharing circle <laughs> of the advanced yoga teacher training with that crystal mm. again and was just crying with gratitude and mm. couldn't believe that we've made it. Yeah. And um, you did make it. <laughs> it's true, we were there. It's oh. an amazing, it's yeah. such an amazing story of just, of the power of love, I think, really, you yeah. know, mm. is what's going on and, and bringing in greater awareness and what healing really is and what grief is and the spiral of the journey that we're constantly on and just the spiral that it's continued to be, right, for all of you, down to your boys, you yeah. know, seeing them come back into coherence down to you and your partner, to your mum, to who she is in the world, to who you are in the world. It's just into your the continual connection with Ronnie and what that means. It's um it's quite inspiring to to witness and there's so many more things mm. that could be spoken about, right? That's the great kind of learning that's unfolded from this yeah. experience. Um, but it's it's such a phenomenal story that's really worth being told and to be heard yeah. because also it's I think it's just so powerful and for those who have lost someone to suicide like you have that it's like in a sense it's like it's okay it was their time to go mm -hmm. and to see with your mom it's like she tried really hard yeah. like yeah. these were not piss poor efforts you know these were she was very dedicated to doing this and took it very seriously but it wasn't you know you get that thing of oh they're doing it for attention yeah <laughs> I'm like what shit you know it's mm -hmm. like that person's not supposed to go and sometimes they are, and I think there's real solace in that, to be like to know that that was Ronnie's journey, and it's okay, and he can be with you in a different way. And yeah. I think those terms that your mum, obviously the the dial's still up, but maybe not at a ten because that type of grief is always with us. But that she's navigating her life in a different way, and relationships with you and with her grandkids is so and beautiful. It's, 
it's just she made that decision to to she had to go to mm. that spiritual realm to be able to let go a bit of her pain mm. and maybe also for her to show Ronnie her sacrifice or like a proof yeah. of love to Ronnie. Yeah. But now she could let go of that a little bit and, and see now she she actually they can work through things this awareness transformation and it's it's easier when she's on earth as well and when she when they can work through that it it, it helps so much with healing intergenerational um, trauma mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. so that she's not past she, she's willing now to work on it here and determined to do that and that was her actual their actual soul contract that that's what they're going to do so that it's not going to be passed on to to me and my boys and and, and further yeah mm. further and it's yeah it's ongoing still of course the pain is still there mm. um but she has the ability now to to be in her inner truth and self so much more and she can feel that so much more and so she's just finding her own way um to be her own empowerment more mm. and yeah that's what what i think this whole story is or what my desire is that um uh, an inspiring or an encouragement for people to to um walk the path of of awareness and or just being aware of what uh, when do i choose love and when do i choose fear and how can i can i use that challenge as an opportunity for transformation mm -hmm. and not shy away from it because sometimes you have to but yeah when when you when you lean into it the universe provides so much for you it's incredible and you there's just so much magic there mm. and and um yeah mm. yeah yeah and <laughs> sometimes and think... we think we can control and sometimes we think we understand and most of the time we're wrong mm. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> if we're okay with that we're okay you know? yeah and it, yeah. just to kind of to close out our three-part series uh, is to say that Jess is actually about to fly back to Switzerland in three weeks, four weeks. Yep. Um, and this time it's from a place of, of choice in the sense of I'm going back to be in my hometown. I'm going to the mountains. I'm actually seeing my mother in a, in a beautiful, more social way. And the kids and your partner are going. And so there's something really healing, like a, a kind of a full cycle that we're yeah. on at this point that you get to go back with the excitement of just going back rather than in, in full crisis mode. So yeah. it's very beautiful. And um, I hope that the trip and all of the the memories with your mom and with your family are just so magical and beautiful and brings also another layer of healing mm -hmm. for you all. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh. And just, yeah, a big, huge thank you to you guys helping me, supporting me through all of this and then now supporting me and um, telling the story as well. And of course, a huge thank you to my mum and Roni and 
all my family, kids and friends and mm. that um, I wouldn't be here without any of you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We have to figure out a way to do a part four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'll be more stories to share at a later date. Um, but for now, thank you for listening and uh, feel free to share this episode on social media or any of the other things that you can and um, spread this beautiful word around. Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) The Radical Awareness Podcast.